Welcome to the Let That Go Show with Kasira McKee and Richard Skipper. This show is based on Kasira's book, Let That Go, where she guides people in completely blessing and releasing people, places, and all kinds of things. Kasira and Richard share personal insights and experiences based on concepts in Kasira's book with guests and you, their co-hosts. Are you ready to let that go? Let's go. Hello, Kasira. Hello, Richard. How are you? Hello, Richard. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Are you here for one of my tea light suppers? Yes, I am. <laughs> I want to tell you, first of all, it is binge Sunday. That means you can binge on a great dinner. You can binge on a great series. Uh, you can binge on these shows. We have a lot of them behind us. Yeah. And we have a lot, hopefully, ahead of us. Um, I have been binging on this new uh, this series called Gaslit. Have you seen it? I just ran across it today. I have not seen it. I am. I, I, I'm obsessed with it. Uh, are I, you? I, yes. Okay. I, Danny and I sat down the other night. We started watching it. And of course, it's about Watergate, but it really focuses on Martha Mitchell, who I loved. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, when she was out there, you know, calling newspaper people all during the night and everything, it was, she was lonely. And she was telling secrets to everybody. And I mean, she would call reporters, people that had interviewed her. And she would just reveal the most private things that she had overheard her husband, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, people say so. But I recommend it to everybody. And uh, it, it, it's just so much fun. Nice. And then last night. They on NBC they showed one of the old old episodes of Saturday Night Live, and I started to watch it, and something really hit me hard last night as I was watching this, uh, because I watched the series Impeachment uh, a few months ago about Monica Lewinsky, and mm -hmm. they showed the episode last night uh, in which. Um, uh, they were making fun of uh, Linda Tripp. And it was cruel. It was absolutely cruel. I and think I remember. I watched a lot of Saturday Night Live and I don't remember that one. Uh, John Goodman was playing Linda Tripp. Oh, and, yes. Oh, yes. And they kept saying, how does it feel to be the most hated woman in America? How does it? And making fun about it. And uh, although I didn't approve of what she did and how uh -huh. she hurt so many people, but I just felt the way they betrayed her and the way that they treated her was cruel. I mean, there's a oh. difference between satire and being cruel. Okay. So that's, that, those are my thoughts for the night. So. <laughs> as okay. We okay. Bye. Tonight, <laughs> uh, no. uh, but, uh, you know, Doug McAllister is here. I thought he was going to be. Uh, I thought you were going to be backstage with this, Doug. Okay. It's okay. But okay. anyway, I am I am so excited about tonight's topic for okay. a lot of reasons. Um, yeah. uh, and I'm sure just before I, I went on uh, to Instagram and did a little plug for tonight's show, because so many of us go through where we have to have the last word. And, uh, you know, especially with social media has really brought that out um, uh, with people. Uh, my dear friend Russ Woolley is here, and he's as mean as mean, and I agree with him. Uh, but there, there comes a point where, you know, 
I have reached a, a point in my life uh, where, as you've heard the expression, pick your battles. Uh, and some things are just not worth getting down in the weeds about. Uh-huh. You wonder, in a year or so, is this really going to matter? That we are getting so obsessed over certain, in most cases, minute details. If we just take the time to step back and realize that having the last word is not always the most important uh, way about going about things. And of course, you wrote the book. This is the topic that you chose for tonight. I'd like to get your take and then we'll jump right in. Well, I've already mentioned the fact that I, I live in the medical, I live, well, I feel like I live in it. Uh, I work in the medical field and uh, people, it seems lately, are angrier and angrier. Patients are angrier and angrier and um, more frustrated. And they, they, they have a tendency, people who are angry and frustrated, who are demanding to get something or are not able to legally get something they fiercely desire take it out on other people they got to find somebody to blame you know and we've got a lot of that going on on the planet i think a lot of that has to do with uh the fact that uh instant gratification uh we live in a world where you know you, you have to get an answer or a response immediately or people feel that you have yeah. dissed them or mm-hmm. that you, and you You're know, just in, being, we're just being mean and not giving them what they desire, which is not true. <laughs> which is not true. We'll give it to you if we legally can, you know, we'll give it to you if we legally can. And you know that in Paris, uh, I mean, in France, they have uh, some, uh, in some companies, uh, they have made it so that uh, once five o'clock rolls around, Mm-hmm. Uh, that emails are off limits. Uh, bosses cannot get in touch with uh, employees and vice nice. versa. Nice. And I think I think it's a nice gesture. And uh, you know, sometimes I just wish that cell phones would just automatically go off and it's shut off. Uh, I, well, you know, in the big picture of things, right now, where we are right now on the planet, it's really important that people figure out a way to get a hold of themselves. Um, we've got so many people in conflict in our planet that are addicted to being right. Mm-hmm. Their side is right. The other side is wrong. And that's, that's it. When both field sides feel that way, you know, we get into dangerous waters. Uh, but we, it starts with us. It starts at home. It starts with us and it starts with the people around us. Uh, I, I have, a, I know someone who has admittedly said, she has said, I admit that I take things way too personally. And sometimes she just gets upset about something. And I've, I've had to talk her off the ledge more than once and get, have her very calmly speak to her and reason with her and get her, talk her off the ledge to get her to get to a point where we can actually just have a conversation instead of it being her accusatory and me just sitting there fighting, defending myself. Um, often we human beings jump in like a lion in the den and don't give the other person a chance. You know, it's just, we have a point and we're upset and damn it, we're going to make it and they're going to hear us and they're going to agree with us or else instead of giving us a chance to have a conversation. Now, I'm sorry, go ahead. uh, Sometimes the other side doesn't take the 
time or patience to take a deep breath and attempt to have a conversation and jumps into the, the den. You know, it's a tiger and a lion and a den. Um, and it's all about, as I write in the book, it's all about mindfulness. It's all about mindfulness. Being mindful in the moment does a, does an attack hurt? Yes, it does. It it has a tendency. We allow our feelings to get hurt. We the other person desires us to take it personally. It's shot at us, but many times it's not personal at all. It's just how they feel. Uh, I want to bring on a comment, and I uh, so if you want to address this. Uh, and this is from uh, Sherry Callahan in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for being here tonight. Uh, so if you want to comment on this. Do you want to read it out loud or do you want me to no. read it out loud? No. No. You can if you like. Okay. I must have the last word when my work as an astrologer and extreme weather specialist is mocked. I haven't been doing this for 30 years to be questioned. Not interested? Go away. Do not challenge me. Okay. Okay. You just that's say it. well, that's how she feels. That's how she feels. Okay. I'm not gonna argue with that. <laughs> okay. I'm not arguing with that. But you know we choose what we what we choose, we choose it. We choose it. Now, you know, I'm talking about in a battle of a conversation, not necessarily in you know, I'm sure, you know, doctors feel like when their patients argue with them about a diagnosis, how do you think they feel? You know, you have cancer. No, I don't. Well, yeah, you do. No, I don't. You know, or, you know, you've got diabetes. You got to change your diet. No, I don't. <laughs> you you know? just reminded me, you know, Danny had these friends, you know, one, uh, this guy was a college roommate and he married this woman years ago. And she knew more about every subject than anybody else. She wasn't in theater. She, but she knew more about theater and acting than I could possibly ever know in five mm -hmm. lifetimes. Mm -hmm. She's not a landscape architect, but she knew more about landscape architecture than Danny would ever know in five okay. lifetimes. And no matter what topic came up or something, and it was almost an, a one-upmanship, uh, and you know that type as well, uh, you mention a name or something, someone has to better, you know, give a better example of an experience with that person or a closeness with that person or an experience with that person. Um, but when it comes to a lot of what I do, I want to be the best that I can possibly be. Mm -hmm. And I'm always striving to be the best that I can possibly be. And I know because I have been, I'm, I'm going to be 62 in February I've been, on this, I've been on this planet, uh, and I wear it proudly. I love every year that I've lived on this planet. Uh, I love the aging process, believe it or not. Uh, but mm -hmm. my body hasn't started to break down yet either. So <laughs> uh, it might be easy for me to say at this point. Uh, but as I get older, I realize also that you and I both came through the 80s. Mm -hmm. A lot of my peers didn't have the luxury that I have now. And so I don't take any of this for granted. I right. celebrate, as you know, each and every day. Uh, that being said, I know what works for me. Um, I know uh, what I've accomplished in my life. I know 
what my strong points are and I know what my weak points are. Uh, and if I am in a situation as an entertainer, as an artist with mm -hmm. the work that I do, um, there are people who, critics, who will come along and they want to criticize or they want to tear me down or as Sherry just said, mock you, whatever that is. Um, and I love the, the fact that you said, okay, you know, I'm not going to argue with that. Mm -mm. Uh, let it go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but as far as, you know, we, I know many of us had known instigators, people who instigated. I work with somebody that instigates negativity that instigates uh, conflict. It's how, I think it's how she entertains herself. Mm -hmm. uh, and higher ups are aware. Um, sometimes people are just so bored or lack, I believe, lack such stimulation in their own lives that they don't seem to, they, they don't create for themselves that they, they do this as entertainment and they do it to get up. They do it as for stimulation. It stimulates them to argue and stir up trouble, you know, to stir the stew. But there are also people who go through life who are, you know, Debbie Downers, uh, who don't. Wah, wah. Yes. Wah, wah. Um, I know some. There's one in particular, my friend, my friend, in a friend of mine in Dallas, and I just discussed her the other day, <laughs> and he brought her up. But yeah, she's she's what I call a social media bleeder. Yeah. No matter sure. what the topic is or something, they want to bring it down. Mm -hmm. And but I, I I'm a cockeyed optimist. I'm always looking for the other side. And uh, yesterday was a, a terrible day for me. Uh, it was one of those days. Danny and I ended up having a fight yesterday. Yes, we had a big argument. Oh, I'm sorry. It was not pleasant. And, well, that happens. Uh, you know, uh, God bless him. He puts up with me. And uh, our plans for the whole evening and everything just went completely out the window. Um, and it wasn't a matter of either one of us having the last word. We just went like this and neither one of us had the last word. Um, mm -hmm. But because we were just, we both knew that we were both hot-headed at a particular moment and we just separated which was the best thing for us to do at that oh, moment. That is often the best thing to do. Yes. yes. Um, because I know that, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you a, an interesting story. Year, uh, and this was early, early, early on in our relationship. Mm -hmm. um, I, I performed uh, early on in my career uh, for a brief moment as Judy Garland. There are pictures on the internet. You can look me up. Uh, but I was performing at a club in... Uh, Boston called the Paradise Club. Mm -hmm. And the guy who was my musical director, and I use the term loosely when I say that, uh, had a drink. <laughs> had a wait, drink. wait, you can't just you can't just jump over that. Why do you use that term loosely? Uh, because uh, there were there were all kinds of uh, he was this other guy that I was performing with brought him into the show. He was the not really somebody that I would have ever hired as a musical wow. director. Okay. But um, he had a drinking problem, unfortunately. Uh -oh. And I had to go uh, into every bar and uh, club that we performed in and go to the bartender and say, please do not serve him any drinks until after the show. 
because if you do, it's going to be problematic. Mm-hmm. And this one particular night, and again, this is early on in our relationship, this one particular night, um, I am sitting on the lip of the stage, as Judy used to do, and I'm singing, mm-hmm. and the audience is howling. And I turn around, and he was drinking Jack Daniels from the bottom. Oh, good Lord. On the stage. And I walked off yeah. the stage. I was fit to be tied. So I'm sitting in the dressing room, taking my makeup off. And Danny, trying to be the diplomat that he is, you know, I hear him say outside the door, don't worry, everything will be fine. And that set me off. And it was like, no, everything will not be fine. How dare this person do this? And how dare you say it was okay that he did this? And this was one of those instances where I had to have the last word. And no matter how many standing out trying to apologize, this poor guy, it's a wonder that we're still together because that night I was a banshee on wheels. And so we go back to the place where we're staying. I went up to bed. He stays downstairs because he's petrified to come upstairs. <laughs> and then when, when he finally did come upstairs, yeah. It was like that scene from uh, Fiddler on the Roof. I bolted up in bed, said, how dare you? <laughs> he said, you're not asleep. I had been sitting there waiting, stewing all night. And we laughed about it afterwards. But, oh, my God. It's good and you laughed about it. We laughed about it. But, um, again, I've reached a point where I'm able to do this, where I say, when it gets to the point where it's a contentious moment, okay, what would you like the outcome to be? And then I allow that person to tell me what they of the outcome to be. And I really process it in my head. Is it really going to kill me to let go? Yeah. I, I probably would say, if I were going to use that term, which I don't, but I would probably say, what is the outcome you're looking for? That's why even better. Having, why are we having this conversation? What's the outcome you're looking for? Is it to be right and I'm wrong? Is that your outcome? Or would you like to have a conversation about this so we can come at this more amicably with a more positive vibe? Well, let's yeah. talk about this. There are there are different reasons why people feel that they have to have the last word. What oh, do you there's feel, so many reasons. What do you think are the top three? Well, uh, addiction to being right, addiction to being in control. But you know, when they do, when people do that, it's also because they feel unsafe. So the way to feel safe is to a control the outcome. You will, you will not only hear my side, you will agree with it. And if you don't, we're done. And uh, I'm upset with you and I'm coming at you because I don't want to have a conversation because I don't feel safe. It's typically a safety thing. If someone's determined, they've just decided in their head that someone deliberately did them wrong. Uh, and they're just set out to deliver that message, make uh, do their best to get someone to feel bad about it. And when there is, there's no winning for either of you. Mm-hmm. There's just no winning. There is no winning. If, if one, 
in the ideal in an ideal situation everybody wins in some way everybody wins and in negotiations and you know in whatever situation everyone wins somehow everyone wins um for unfortunately many people don't feel that way it's mm -hmm. win or lose for one person well however yes I, go ahead but sometimes i think that people if they've put a lot of time and effort into a project, for example, uh -huh. and then the project does it, uh, you know, and then you may come along and say, well, this isn't exactly what I was looking for. Uh -huh. And that sets them off. And then that there, there's a conflict. Yeah. Which is, again, what we're talking about tonight as well. <laughs> Oops, uh, bless you. Uh, must be true. But some people, uh, I know people who uh, procrastinate. And then things pile up on them and their frustration with themselves gets manifested into taking it out on someone else. And that creates a conflict. And sometimes going that route uh, will cause someone to feel that they have to have the last word on whatever the situation is. And it's not necessarily that they're having, you know, the last, it, it's not, I don't think it's always, as much about having the last word, uh, uh, but basically about being acknowledged for the time and effort that they put into a project. Well, when we're like, when you're talking about this other person, if a person has a pattern, why do we keep inviting that pattern in? One red, you know, one red flag, let's have a conversation. Another incident, we're, we're on our way to, you know, this is not working. You know, how many, how many opportunities do we give someone else? How many chances do we give someone else? How many chances do we give each of us together? You know, it's the same in romantic relationships or friendships or work jobs. You well, know, I how that for you. It's in a wonderful book called Let That Go. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, you, you talk about it, these stories that we keep telling over and over and over again. There are three things that just come out, out at me from your book. Um, the fact we repeat these stories because they're comfortable. Um, you know, I was talking to someone recently and in the dynamics of this particular family, she has someone that every time this other person does something, these two conspire to talk about what this other person has done. So there's that example of... Uh, and then there's the, you know, the quicksand. Dissension just, in the group. There's dissension in the group. You know, the dissension in the group. And then uh, there's the whole boomerang effect that you you throw it out there. It's going to come right back at you. Mm -hmm. I, I look at, you know, my own occasionally, like uh, I have a very dear friend who I hadn't heard from in a while. And I started telling myself a story that she wasn't speaking to me anymore. Usually when people don't speak to me, it's because they're not speaking to me anymore. <laughs> Yet, I mean, I do have really busy friends that I've had in my life. I've had a lot of friends in my life for 30, 40 years. We'll go by for a time and then catch up. And I, I thought, I wonder if everything's okay, you know. And finally, when we got, when we talked on the phone, she said, oh, no, I'm just, my boss is working me to literally death. I'm exhausted. And we cleared it up. We had a conversation about it. I just said, are we okay? Is our friendship okay? Oh, yeah. I'm just, you know, 
So sometimes we just make these things up in our head. Thank you. And and here's the thing: if if I if if I have an inkling that I may have said something that that somebody took the wrong way, or you know, if we, if I have if somebody has an issue with me, I'm going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Please just don't ghost me. Please don't ghost me. Don't ever to talk, not talk to me again. Let's talk about it um, because it's important to, to my own. Um, evolution and my own karma to know what's going on. You know, did I say something? Did I do something? Did I not do something in a friendship? That's going to assist me in my own evolution to f- to find out. And and if it's something that I can work on on myself, I'm certainly going to do it. If if I find it worth it, you know what I mean. If it's worth the relationship. Um. Yet. You just said the operative thing right there. If it's worth yeah. the relationship. Yeah. And one thing that drives me really up the wall is uh, when uh, there's a conflict. I mean, you talk about having the last word or do you have to have the last word? Then there are those who have no word at all. They refuse to talk about it. And they just go, I'm just not going to talk about this. And they completely cut you out of their lives. Mm-hmm. which has happened to me. Um, so that's another issue altogether. Um, but I at least want to get to the bottom of this. Two things happened today, as a matter of fact. Okay. Um, you know, I got my newsletter, which, by the way, comes out tonight, everyone. Uh, Yay! Sign up for it if you don't already uh, get it. Um, and, you know, and a friend of mine had unsubscribed from it. And I reached out to her this morning. And I said, um, was it not, did it not live up to your expectations? Was there anything that I could have done differently to make it more uh, readable or more exciting for you to get each week? I would just like to know just so that I can make it better. And she said, no, it really isn't you. I've just reached a point where there are a lot of people that I'm cutting out of my life. And- uh, You know, and I and okay. I said, so I'm one of those people. And mm-hmm. she said, well, yes. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, um, if I have not been a better friend, I apologize. Mm-hmm. And uh, if the day ha- happens where you feel that you do want me back in your life, the door's open. But I, I wish you nothing but happiness. And I let her go. Yeah. And well, at least she told you the truth. That wasn't so unpleasant. It wasn't. I mean, it, it, it's brave enough. It was brave of her to say, I feel like my my expiration date with some of you has reached its point and I'm done. I'm, and you go, okay, bye. We have good luck with everything. If he's still it's, here, you know, he has a dear friend and he said, relationships are like milk cartons. An expiration date comes up with some of them. Mm hmm. And, it and then there's and then there's some of us who've had friends for years and years and years, and these people are our soulmates. They're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I really don't think they're going anywhere. I think I'm going to have these friends for the rest of my life. These other people. We did, but you know, we got it. We just we vibrate that way. We right. we're we vibrate that way. We're on the we're on the same vibrational level. We, you know, we. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? We we just vibrate together really well. There's mm-hmm. some people that we just don't vibrate well together. They're they're not on, on our level of vibration or we're not on theirs. 
You know, it's okay. interesting. Uh, I came to New York. I've mentioned this many times, but I came to New York when I was 18 years old, 1979. And that was August of 1979. And in February of 1980, I moved to the Bronx. And I lived there for the next five years. And mm -hmm. I uh, got uh, into this uh, group that was, uh, it was a, a, just a community theater group. Um, and uh, I worked with them. Their real purpose was just to have a good time. They, that was the main goal with everyone. Uh, they rehearsed on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And after every rehearsal, they would all find themselves in a pub somewhere. Most of them were Irish, drinking away. <laughs> you know, not that I'm saying that all Irish people drink away. <laughs> but, Come on. No, but that was this group. And, um, and I, you know, I was 19 at that time. And, you know, until I was 21, I moved away from that group. But I, they were this collective group like this. They did everything together. They took trips mm -hmm. together. When they went to the theater, they got group tickets to go to the theater. They mm -hmm. went to restaurants together. Every, that was their group. And I moved beyond that. And once in a while, over the past few years, um, mm -hmm. with the passing of someone or whatever, I would go to a wake or uh, a memorial service or something. And I have found as I've gotten older that I have absolutely nothing in common with them anymore. Okay. Okay. It, you know, but we, it, it, we, we sometimes evolve past each other. It's like the branches of a tree. You mm -hmm. know, we our, our branches go this way and their branches go that way, you know? Yeah. It's, it's okay. Did you ever, did you feel negatively about it or did you feel no, bad about no. it? No, it was were okay just, about it. Oh, I, I'm absolutely okay. I, but I feel that I have uh, grown and I, again, I don't know. I know that you came from Dallas, mm -hmm. but I grew up in a small town. And when you grow up in a small town, mm -hmm. um, most of the people, uh, someone is smoking outside my house somewhere, and my eyes. And oh, my I can throat. smell it a mile away. I'm, I'm with you. Uh -huh. uh, but um, I remember uh, when I lived in Manhattan, I could smell someone smoking <clears throat> at the bus stop on the sidewalk. Uh, but uh, drove me crazy. It's, but when you grow up in a small town, uh, there's almost it, it, it's almost as if those people live in a bubble and which is another reason why I say to so many people that are so rigid in their thinking, especially in our political world today, that you have to be open to where they come from and what they've been taught and what they believe, because it's a whole different way of life from what you and I have. And, uh, and a lot of people are not willing to go that extra mile to really get to know yeah. who these people are. Mm -hmm. True, I guess. Mm -hmm. But well, well, but here's the other side of it. Because I talk to everybody. Is that other person willing to allow you to get to know them? Sometimes. Sometimes not. 
sometimes they're really guarded. I've got somebody, I've got a couple of people in my environment like that, where, you know, no matter how much chit chat I make with them, I'm just not going to know them. They're, they're not going to let me know them. They do not want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about anything that has to do with them. I, and, you know, I'm a very, being a Reiki master, I'm a very touchy-feely person, not inappropriately, because I have been a manager before in the corporate world, you know, but, but I, I pat people, I pat them on the back, or I say, hey, how are you, you know, or, oh, can I fix your necklace, you know, your necklaces, or can I fix your, uh, can I fix your collar? I have a coworker that told me explicitly one day, do not touch me. I said, all right. Okay, okay. Do you not like to be touched? No, I do not. Okay, fine. Let's well, do the we live in. We get along great. We get, and it's fine. I don't have to touch you. It's but it's it's but at least she instead of going to somebody else and go, she keeps touching me. You know, at least she said, Don't touch me. You know, okay, Sarah, you can touch me all you want. Touch me. I want to feel dirty. No, I had a situation years ago. I was working for uh there's an IBM conference center very close to where I live. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's no longer IBM, but it was. And I worked in the concierge desk for a brief moment and one of my survival jobs. And uh, it was raining cats and do dogs one night. And uh, so Danny, I don't drive. That Full disclosure, I don't have a driver's license. <laughs> I so never learned to drive. <laughs> Now I have been know. driving since I came out of the womb. Yes. So, okay. So, go so rather than call Danny and ask him to come and pick me up in this monsoon of a storm that we were in the middle of, uh -huh. I asked this young woman that I was working with, if, uh -huh. and I knew that she drove past my house, if she would mind dropping me off. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, um, let me get back to you on that, which I thought was odd, but I let it go. So she goes into the next room. She calls me from the next room and she said, my boyfriend won't have it. And I said, well, let it be your decision and not his. That's all I said. I realize now, years later, that that was probably not the right thing to say. But at that moment, that's all I said was, let it be your decision, not his. Well, a week later, I go to work and I'm wanted in HR, human resources. And I go and I'm sitting there. I think I'm getting a raise. I really did. And I'm waiting for them to come. <laughs> well, I was a great worker and mm -hmm. everybody loved me there. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm going, what's going on? What's going on? And then finally, a psychologist comes in. And the psychologist wants to talk to me about inappropriate behavior on the work front. And I said, what are you talking about? And they said that I crossed the lines with this particular employee and that she was now uncomfortable to be working with me. Oh my gosh. And uh, I said, well, this may come as a huge surprise to all of you here, but I'm a gay man. And I am really sorry if I offended her in any way. And mm -hmm. I told them what I said to her. And they said, well, it was an inappropriate thing to say. We're not taking this too seriously. But, you know, just know that you are being 
you know, watched about this. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I'm going to quit. I I felt oh. uncomfortable. I quit. I quit my job. I walked out and uh, I just walked right out. They said, we don't want you to quit. I said, I'm here, but she's not. Wait a minute. Let's let's drop back for a minute because this is a, this is juicy. So, were were you inappropriate in asking her for a ride, or were you inappropriate, inappropriate or by saying let that be your decision? I got too comfortable with her by saying let that be your decision, and not his. It has were, nothing to do with work. I'm sorry. I know. Oh but my god. That was the situation. Oh, boy. And I was, you know, and I left. Uh, I said, I don't want to work for a company where I'm scrutinized for what I may or may not say to someone. And we now live in a in a in a world where you can be in someone's presence and you can say something and they can simply say, I'm sorry, but you make me uncomfortable. And they can get up and walk yes. out of the room. Well, we don't know what else was going on. Why would this girl run to her boyfriend and say, you know, he wants me to take him home? There sounds like there was a controlling dynamic with her and the boyfriend. Right. Okay. I don't know. And it I, sounds like, I I, oh, I know. And he was the jealous type. and She couldn't wait to tell him so he could be jealous and get mad. There was a whole dynamic with her and the boyfriend that had nothing to do with you. Well, I'm going to bring on a statement here because I think this needs to be addressed. Uh, do you want to read it out loud or do you want me to read it? Well, I've probably driven you more places than many people. I was never uncomfortable. <laughs> well, um, there's still time, Russ. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, I mean, you know, that's just, you know what? That has too many layers to it. It can't be just... It had way too many layers to it. It, it there was there was a many layers to that little onion. Yes. It may have been a pearl onion, but that little onion had a lot of layers. Um, you know, we it's a shame that we've gotten to this point. But still, still. Well, let's talk about Frank Langella for just a moment. Uh-huh. Frank oh. Langella was working on a movie set, and um the young actress that he was working with. Um, said that he crossed the line. He's got a version of the story. She's got a version of the story. And people that worked on the set have a completely different version of the story. I don't I don't know what they said. I know what he said and I know what she said. I don't know what they said. Well, he said that, you know, according to Frank Langella, he patted her leg and said, well done after an intimate scene. And she said, the, you know, the scene is over. I feel uncomfortable with you touching me. Okay. And, uh, but, you know, a friend of mine who is, you know, what's the, the phrase that they uh, call them now, uh, made a comment that uh, uh, there's, there's a team of people that come in and address these issues. Oh, yes. You just, you just read my mind. Okay. Nowadays, now, thank goodness. There, there are there are people on a set that come in to make sex scenes comfortable. Yes, um, they make people leave the Into room. The there, was, hurts. there was a time when there was a time when no one left the room, and my cameramen and 
you know, ice bucket people and people that got you a cold towel were in the room, you know, everybody was allowed to stay in a room when you did these intimate sex scenes, naked or half naked. And that was just wrong. It just was. And so, you know, actors started talk, speaking up about it. And now they do have, they do have people that come in to make the set comfortable for everyone to be, to do an intimate scene. They kick people out. So only the necessary people are in that room. Not everybody and their grandma are in the room anymore. But also if, you know, there are precautions that are taken for people that are in a, a sex scene together to be mm-hmm. certain parts mm-hmm. to be covered, you know, certain places you can touch. Um, and so, and the whole world's not watching you anymore. Um, now, if a person feels uncomfortable, they feel uncomfortable. And it's certainly okay. It's got to be okay for them to speak up. But all that needs to be said is, I hear you and I'm sorry. I hear you. I apologize. And it won't happen again. That That's dialogue. You know, that's, that's, what, that's, thank you, that's but dialogue. That, but that's something that is missing a lot of times. Um, you know. Yes. 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 Uh, uh, who's this? So she uh, Alan. Just say uh, Alan. Okay, Alan. Alan. Yes, yes. Intimacy coaches. Yes, and, and that's what they're called. Intimacy consultant. Yeah, that's what they're called. So I was talking uh, to a friend of mine the other day who's been in this business. He's worked. He's done so many shows on Broadway. He's, mm-hmm. he, you know, and he has a very uh, prolific career. Mm-hmm. And he said nowadays you go, you know, into a rehearsal room, and there are all these kids sitting around looking at their phones like this, not even making eye contact with each other, knowing pe- uh, each other. He said that he he stopped one day and said to these kids, you know, for for God's sake, say hello when you walk into a room. Yeah. Or say goodbye when you leave the room because th- they don't even have the protocol to do that anymore. Um, some of them think, you and I both, uh, and you uh, were everyone if you don't know because Sarah traveled you know with Hello Dolly with Carol Channing you were I toured I toured with a big I toured with a big 10-piece horn band yeah yeah I played I played a lot of clubs Mm -hmm. but it's all about you travel you you are part of a company it's a huge collective you're Uh interacting with people I will tell you I mean, you want a juicy story? I'm going to share with all of you one of the worst experiences I ever had as an actor. Um, I was cast in a two-person play uh, many years ago. And we were doing um, a show that was specifically for high schools and a show that was specifically for grammar schools. One other actor and myself. We would show up at the school take the set out of the uh, van, set it up ourselves, do the show, and that was it. So we're rehearsing, getting ready to open, uh, to go on the road for six weeks that we're going to be touring all over New England. It was the New England Touring Traveling Theater Company. That's what it was called. So That's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. So I will never did you have like a did you have like a hot air balloon because it sounds like you needed a hot air balloon and like a tent. Well, when I describe <laughs> what this experience was, the person that I was working with was like a hot air balloon. Because we were, oh, no, we were we were in the uh, we were in the car going to the our first gig, which was a tryout performance. 
uh-huh. and with the director. And mind you, all during the rehearsal process, all of the, there was a director, the costumer, all these people are always there. So as we're going there, I will never forget this. The director said, what are your common threads? And this guy said, what do you mean our common threads? He said, the things that you enjoy doing together, foods that you like to eat together, uh, actors that you may enjoy going to see a movie together. You two are literally going to be together 24-7 for six weeks. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you're going to like each other. And he said, and I swear, I do not fraternize with people I'm working with. And the director said, it's just the two of you. It's not like you're with a big company or anything. He said, I I don't socialize with people I'm working with. He said, it gets in the way of my character. So I thought, this is, you know, a little strange since it's going to be the two of us. And, you know, maybe I love to talk and, you know, and so... The first time we get in the car and I turn the radio on, he turns it off. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I demand quiet when I'm traveling. Oh. And I go, okay, this this is strange. So they have us in a hotel room together, separate beds, but like twin beds. And I go in and I turn the TV on. And he goes over and he turns the TV off. And I go, this is not going to work. So I went out and I went to the nearest payphone. We didn't have cell phones in those days, folks. And I called the director and I said, I know I signed a contract that there's no way that I'm going to be in this prison sentence. There's no way. Uh, And I described what I was dealing with. And I said, you already heard him say that he did not fraternize I turn the TV on, he turns it off. I turn the radio on, I can deal with that in the car. We have no choice. But there's no way that I'm not going to be able to watch TV at night. I I, I just cannot sit there every night. And they put me in my own room, you know, from that point on. He did not, we would go into a restaurant and he would sit at a separate table. Mm Mm-hmm. He did not want to have anything at all to do with me whatsoever. And I got through the six weeks. Um, thank God the, the kids at the schools loved me. And they were all over me, which I think also made him jealous. <laughs> Truly. Um, but when it was all over, when I got out of the car, I, I was. Li- uh, I don't know if you know where the McAlpin uh, Hotel is. It used to be called the McAlpin, right next to uh, the uh, Empire State Building. That was where my apartment was. And I will uh-huh. never forget getting out of the car and saying, this was the most miserable six weeks of my life. <laughs> and I Listen, didn't. I had the last word. <laughs> I, I know one of my dear friends, who is also a teacher, is... A, an executive, he's like a, he's a lead therapist for the Four Seasons Spa conglomerate. He's worked at several Four Seasons uh, over the years. He does not fraternize with anybody he works with on a personal level. Period. Uh, there are people in companies that they make friends on the job, yet they do not hang out with each other. 
Now, I do have friends in the medical job that I, I work, but I don't hang out with them. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said for that. Now, it, it, it keeps you out of trouble with each other because you never know if somebody's going to turn on you and say, oh, we were hanging out one night. We went to a club and we all moved on. She was inappropriate or he was inappropriate or, you know. Uh, yet when you're thrown together like that, there's got to be some sort of friendship that's got to conspire or or some sort of, uh, what do you call it, equal ground or it's yeah. just downright uncomfortable. You Did know. you hear the brouhaha that went on uh, last week about uh, the pro- uh, about uh, Trudeau uh, in London uh, in a hotel lobby? Uh, he was standing around with a group of people, and they were all singing Queen, and it became a controversy because people felt that he was there for the Queen, the other Queen, <laughs> and that um, it was inappropriate behavior. What and are you I talking heard, about? What, I don't understand what you're talking about. What, what are they the, saying? The, um, the, uh, the anthem, uh, God Bless the Queen? No, uh, the group Queen. They were doing oh. their, their music, Freddie Mercury. Um, what were they singing? Uh, they were doing uh, Bohemian Rhapsody in a hotel well, what's, lobby. What's wrong with that? And people were up in arms with it, saying wow. that because he was there for the Queen of England, that he should not have been doing this. And I heard this incredible radio program the other day and they had callers, people calling in. Everybody thought it was a much ado about nothing, that he was having a great time and God bless him. He should have mm-hmm. uh, definitely been there having a great time. But I want to talk about something else before we wind down tonight. Um, you and I have been uh, in this business a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have shared dressing rooms with male, female, and everything in between. Yeah. Um, everybody backstage in various forms of undress. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I my first uh, job, uh, in uh, my first acting job, I did an off-Broadway production of Cinderella. Um, the air conditioning went out in the theater. I, it was a multi-sex dressing room. And the girl who was playing the fairy godmother was completely naked when I walked into the dressing room. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, I'm sorry. And she's, honey, get used to it. She's, I have yeah. nothing you want. She said, I am hot and I, and I want to be comfortable. And if this makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. And I said, I'm fine. You know, it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. But there are people, uh, I, I mean, and, and but people would make jokes every... That there was just this atmosphere that used to be backstage. And I do acknowledge and respect those. Everyone's boundaries. Where the boundaries have been crossed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But when there have been situations where everyone's having a great time and then someone goes and complains about it, that's a different story. Yeah. Well, they don't do that unless you're in a really tiny, cheap bus and truck, you know. You know, with no room. I mean, everybody's separated now. Uh, I, you know, at Dallas Summer Musicals, at Fair Park Musical, productions are so huge now. You you can't. Some of the the some of the the uh, cast is so huge. Like Phantom was a really good example. Uh, that upstage, past the screens, 
is now converted into a portable dressing area for everyone. There are little walls that are rolled in to create private dressing rooms with curtains. Your costumes are right there. So there, everything is created. Of course, in a chorus situation, well, if it's in an equity, if it's, it, it, it depends on if it's equity or non-equity. There's a whole lot, there's a whole lot more rules associated with equity than non-equity. But in an equity situation, you will have people sharing dressing rooms, usually two at a time. Sometimes mm -hmm. the girls' chorus will share together and the boys' chorus will share together. If it's too large and people are playing other bit parts, you will have these little, I call them mini cities that are built upstage behind the scrims and you have to be really quiet during the show mm -hmm. when you do this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if it's a, it's a cheap, a cheap show or it's a small time show, Sometimes you're just crammed together in a room. In high school, <laughs> I had the lead in the show every year. Not a big deal. Then it was, but it's not a big deal now. Yet, I remember in one show, I had to run off stage right and change just like that. And one of the boys uh, in my class helped me change. He saw me in my bra and panties and tights. And, and everybody was like, oh, my God. I'm like, get over it. you know. And, and he didn't have a problem with it. I'll never forget him. I loved him. Um, and he just helped me change. He said, I'll help you change. I'm like, okay, great. You know, and he hadn't, he didn't have a problem. I didn't have a problem. And everybody just accepted that that's what we would do. And we did it. And I, because I grew up, you know, I started in theater when I was what, 14, mm -hmm. 13, 14. And I, I, that's when I learned not to be bashful and to learn that this is what theater is. You do what you got to do when you got to do it, you know, and, and then nowadays though, with uh, unions, there are rules, and if people feel uncomfortable, they feel uncomfortable. Um, you know, we had a someone in the Dolly cast who was who was a Mormon, and no one was allowed to see her change except her dresser. Mm -hmm. And we all knew that. Everybody knew it. Nobody interrupted her. You know, the person that shared her dressing room knew it. You know, I think I shared a dressing room with her once, but she didn't care. She's like, come in and just come in when you need to. I don't care. You know, but, you know, there we do have to be. Um, I think our times call for us to be really sensitive to each other. Mm -hmm. Yet that goes both ways. I'm sensitive to your beliefs and what you require. Now, please be sensitive to my to my beliefs and what I require, uh, because that's the only way we're going to get through this is we're, we're sensitive to each other and we find a happy medium. Well, I hate to say this, but we're almost at the end of our show. Okay. And I love you. And I hate to say this. I morning. love you more. I hate, I hate to let you go, but I am going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say uh, my closing remarks. And, Kasira, I'm going to yes, give you the last word tonight, as I always oh, do. Oh, you don't have to. Well, I know I don't have to, but you wrote the book. And so I want to give you the last word. Uh, I look here and I see Sherry Callahan, Natasha Lombardi, uh, Russ Woolley. Hi, everybody. You know, Russ Woolley is truly a soulmate of mine. He's one of my best friends in the world. I love this man. We have not seen each other all summer, and we live in the same county. Um, it, well, that's it's just wrong. Uh, Alan Choi is here. Um, and if I've missed anyone, uh, I, I'm sorry. It means so much to Kasira and I, that you keep coming back each week. Mm -hmm. Frances Shea, thank you for being here. And Hi, she Frances. said, and I want to extend this to everyone else as well, 
I'm going to put this comment on screen because I think everyone should see this. Happy New Year to all who celebrate and happy, happy Rosh Hashanah. Happy Rosh Hashanah to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so tonight, you know, about having the last word. Uh, I think it's all about, uh, it's a matter of taking a moment and listening, listening to the other person, listening to what they have to say. Mm -hmm. So many people, uh, all that any of us truly uh, want uh, is to be acknowledged. And I feel that so many people, especially nowadays, mm -hmm. uh, feel that they're not being heard. Because uh, and I have had conversations where we don't feel sometimes that our friends are even hearing us or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it means the world to us that you all are here to celebrate with us tonight, to celebrate each other, to celebrate having the last word, celebrate not having the last word. Um, but if each of you could tell at least four people about this show, that would help us out tremendously. Just and invite them. It's a party. Invite, invite them. them. Invite us. them. Invite them over for a crotch tail and have a little nibbly thing and yes, you know that sounds and fun. have a little have a let that go party. And uh next week we're gonna be talking about letting go of emotional vampires. Now it's called I'm calling I call them energetic vampires. Energetic vampires? Then I that's what they're called. They're called part. energetic vampires. Energetic yes. vampires. Uh -huh. So, and we all know who they are, uh, but uh anyway. None of you are energetic vampires, at least not in my world, you're not. So thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, as I say at the end of every show, and I'm gonna say again tonight, first of all, I wanna remind you that my newsletter comes out at midnight tonight. I hope you're all on board for the Skipper's Guide. Um, and I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Go to your Facebook friends list and reach out to the fourth name that pops up and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know what that person means to you. I wanna take a moment to acknowledge a great artist that we lost uh, this weekend, and that's Rita Gardner. Rita oh. Gardner was in the original Fantastics among so many other uh -huh. wonderful things. Uh -huh. I think the most recent thing that she did on Broadway was The Wedding Singer. And in March of this year, I had the great pleasure of having her on my show. And we remained in touch with each other. And it was great to be able to get to know her a little bit better and to be able to tell her uh, about the wonderful gifts that she brought to me. And uh, so uh, I see today on Facebook, the photographs, the outpouring of love and everything. Mm -hmm. But I think, God, would it have been great or Buddha or whatever you want to call it? Uh, would it have been great <laughs> if everyone had seen, if she had seen those postings four, five, six, seven days ago? Well, she is, darling. She I know is. she is. But we need to take the time. She's hanging out her. having a martini. I know that. But my point is that we need to celebrate each other while we're here physically yes. to do that as well. Mm -hmm. So, but as my friend Sean Moniker says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. 
And I always say, if you're going to go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper and a diva along. So I'm going to say good night, au revoir, abiento, and Kasira has the last word. Kasira, it's all yours. So really, invite your friends, please, to the show. And please invite them over to have a liberty thing and a, a drink and have a party. Have a let that go party. I have friends that has to come over and be with me when I do this show. I haven't allowed it yet because I don't trust them to keep their mouths shut because they have a lot to say about the subject, but we'll see. Uh, okay, so if you have my book, which is available on Amazon.com, let that go. On page 63, under the heading, Five Reasons We Hold On, one of the reasons is habits and addictions, and I'd like to read from what I wrote in the chapter. The longer we hold on to the habits of thinking, feeling, speaking, and behaving negatively, they become addictions. We also become addicted to being right about them and to the negative stories we tell about them. We also become addicted to being in control. This occurs when we falsely believe we can control another person. The truth is we can only control ourselves. Therefore, our addiction to control is a waste of time and it also destroys relationships. These negative habits and addictions consume us until they become a way of life and create a negative way of being, which boomerangs more negativity back to us. Righteousness trying to control others, the stories we tell, and the negativity that is perpetuated sinks us into the quicksand. However, if we can develop these kinds of negative habits and addictions, we can develop other more positive habits like honoring the free will and desires of others and letting go of the urge to interfere with them. On that note, I say goodbye. I love you. We'll see you next week and bring some friends. <laughs>